Hello? Can you hear me? Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. I have my computer muted. Oh, that would definitely explain it. <laughs> What's up, man? Not a lot. You know, same old shit. Yeah, you uh, you up in Atlanta right now, or what's uh? No, I'm living down in Florida actually. Uh, I wasn't sure after last week. I saw that you were just hanging out like up in Atlanta, trying to dodge yeah, the hurricane. Sort of a long story, but uh, I, the company that I work remotely, uh, and the company that I work for is still based in Atlanta. So I go up, I go up there every once in a while just to be in the office, and I figured the hurricane was a good enough reason. Good enough reason as any to make an excuse to go up there. Yeah, absolutely, man. What about you? Uh, dude, I mean, just living in Denver, man, It's uh, it's been pretty fantastic. I've been here for like four years now, so um, can't really complain. Um, you know, it uh, it beats the humidity and the traffic of Atlanta, I'll tell you that much. So. That, but I'll, I'll tell you, though, after being in Orlando a couple of weeks ago, it was like I've never been in a place with worse traffic. I, it just it's nuts man like how is it that bad like there's like six lanes of highway for most of you know atlanta and it's just it's terrible i just don't understand it oh shit the braves the braves are on right now and harper's <sighs> i know i can see it i'm watching <laughs> <laughs> i'm sitting here like in a in a brave jersey with a backwards hat on just drinking beer hoping to god that Keigel can just you know get a 6-4-3 double play out of this i was about to say hopefully hopefully bryce does something where he gets booed again i i mean anything that involves bryce being booed i'm, I'm all about it <laughs> all about it although when it was like almost something where he can uh where he was possible to be on the braves that have been like I, I i don't like him but since he's on the braves I'm a huge fan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking him for that amount of money probably, but no. I mean, it's just like keeping him away from the Phillies. Yeah. Just come be a brave, you know, but I mean, shit, man, they're 14 games out of first place. So obviously we did something. It's a, little, right? it's a little surprising to me. And I'm like, I'm still like hesitant to say we're a good team, even though we have, what the third best well i guess the fourth best record in baseball right now. i mean honestly they're probably gonna win 100 games and you know if it wasn't for the dodgers i mean they'd get home field advantage throughout uh, i mean we're only, we're only three games back of the dodgers as of yesterday yeah uh, i mean i, I listen Not a possibility yeah i mean i think they're a really good baseball team uh obviously um i, I just i think the phillies dealt with a lot of injuries in i mean their bullpen and their starting pitching is just horrific but i mean they've got the offense to stick around but um yeah i mean if if, if harper doesn't want to launch one into mars right here that'd be fantastic <laughs> that would be fantastic yeah i so. uh hold on I wouldn't even like mind if the Phillies scored a run in this inning as long as Bryce Harper like strikes out or something. Like if whoever's after him. I mean like a pop fly to like center field. I mean, I'm cool with that. Hey, or, you know, just keep throwing strikes, Keiko. You know what you're doing. Don't listen to us. <laughs> um, my, my favorite is always like criticizing people when you're drinking beer on a couch and you're just like, oh, the yeah. best, the best is like when it's the Olympics, you're just like, Man, that idiot couldn't land a handstand, and you're just like sitting there. <laughs> well, it's like I was, I was watching the uh, the USA Mexico game the other day, which was awful. I was gonna say the men's game is yeah, yeah it was terrible. But I was like watching 
you know, watching Giazzi Zardes, which I still don't understand why we start him every single game. There's other guys that are so much better. Ah, there it is. <laughs> How are they booing? Please tell me. I, I've got it on mute right now. I, yeah. I have the I have the volume on very low, so I can't tell. I mean, they've got to be viewing him, booing him, right? Yeah. Damn, I almost, thought, I almost thought that umpire punched him in the face there for a second. <laughs> that guy might have Philly money line right now. <laughs> Man, I had a, I had like a 17 parlay of baseball earlier this year, and the only one I lost was because Tampa Bay couldn't beat Detroit in 13 innings. They scored one run. All right, so, I mean, obviously we talk about gambling a pretty decent amount, but, like, some of the most degenerate stuff I've probably ever done is, like, look at live lines as, like, baseball games are going on. I don't know if you saw anything with the Yankees-Tigers uh, game last night. The Yankees were up seven runs at one point. I was just like – I was sitting there looking at it, I was like, there's no way that the Detroit Tigers, the worst team in the major leagues, are going to come back and win this game. And they come back and win that thing 12 to 11 in the bottom of the ninth. And I'm just like sitting there and I'm like, there's no reason that should have happened. And thank God I didn't just go chase money right there because that oh. would have been absolutely awful. So also, also I bet somebody got like somebody was drunk or like some just big tigers homer put money on that. They're going to come back and just won so much money. Oh, absolutely. Especially if it was a tigers homer. I mean, they're probably going oh. down to like the old Ford plant, you know, drinking some forties, some cobalts. <laughs> really getting after it so um yeah speaking of yeah i've i i knew i was a degenerate when i was live betting preseason football dude i wanted to bring that up with you i was like i feel like we've got a pretty good rapport and but when i saw you live betting preseason football i was like whoa man you all right i was i was in i was in orlando uh this this is for a different thing but i was i went to orlando the night before a flight because my flight was at uh I think my flight left at like six and I'm like, my dad was like, I'm not taking you to the airport at three in the morning. Well, That's fair. because Orlando is about an hour and a half from here. So he was like, well, I'll just take you down there the night before we'll pay for a hotel for you. That's fine. Like, all right. Sure. So the closest, the closest place nearby to eat like a bar was either TGI Fridays or Hooters. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really want to go to a TGI Fridays. Only better would have been Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I go to there. I, I go there, and there was like there was the Col. I'm pretty sure it was Colts Bears. It was a preseason game. I'm just, this is pre Andrew Luck retirement. I was gonna say <laughs> Andrew Luck might be on the team at this point. Yeah. But uh, I was just bored, and I, I I was just like looking at the the site, and I was like, you know what? This game is like bound to hit the over for sure. And of course, it finishes a half point under. It's insane to me how good Vegas is with that stuff. Like, just insane to me how good they are. That's why I don't betting on NFL very often. I feel like NFL the the margin of the margin of like difference between teams is so small. So when you're only betting like lines that are like three to ten points, there's really not a whole lot of room for error. So uh, I completely agree with you, and this is like uh, this is like I'm the same way. I hate betting the NFL. Last week, if the uh, if the Lions, speaking of the Detroit sports team uh doesn't blow that lead to kyler murray 
I mean, we're sitting there like going into that uh, Patriots Steelers game, looking at a parlay for like four or five hundred dollars. And I'm just like, all right. I mean, I didn't lose. I did lose it because of that. But I'd already been up for the week. So I was like, whatever. It's not a big deal. But I'm just like sitting there and I'm like, these guys are so good that they just got it down to where a tie not only like kills one side, it kills both sides. Like, I mean, right. it's unbelievable that they're just. Well, that so was good. like the. The, the only game that I bid on the NFL this weekend was the Chargers Colts game. And it was a, uh, the spread was seven and a half. And you got it at seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. I got it at seven and a half. And when the Colts are going down to score before they tie the game, they're down eight points. Yeah. Like, if the Chargers hold them, I hit everything's great. And of course, I mean, the, they go the, in and score, get the, get the two point conversion. I think that's what I hate more. Like if you're going to ruin, like, especially if I take the favorite, if you're not going to cover at least have the decency to just lose. Yeah, absolutely. Just lose out. Right. <laughs> at least somebody else is winning, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I was watching that game. That was pretty wild. That Malik uh, hooker interception in the end zone was just, it was absurd. One handed coming across the field. I mean, that's, that's pretty athletic. That was pretty impressive to watch though. Yeah, so I missed I missed that one, and then the the stuff that I bet on in college was um, the USC Stanford game. I lost that because it was basically a pick on. I think I got it at one point for Stanford because I didn't realize Stanford's starter was going to be out as well. I thought it was just uh, JT Daniel from USC. Yeah. So turns out the the backup at USC is pretty good, right? <laughs> and then uh, Stanford's backup quarterback, not as good as him. Yeah, surprising there. Yeah, no. When I saw KJ, KJ Costello was out, I, 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 I saw that what you put out there was you know USC minus one. You were like you know it's Stanford plus one. I was all about it too. I took it too. Like I thought well, that also, that was also the I got the under when it was at forty five, and like had I known that KJ Costello was also going to be out, I was like oh that under is the easiest money because exactly. Realize uh, Keaton Slovis, I think is his name, was going to come out and just fucking sling it. Dude, dark horse, man. Heisman guy. Put all your money on him. Put all your money on him. Uh, no, man. And then USC goes and covers the over-under by themselves. Like, it's just, yeah. It, uh, yeah, I was sitting there watching that late at night, too, because um, I think I did actually did not bet on the LSU game. Um, I had bet on something else um i forget anyways i was i mean i was up because you know it's mountain standard time and that's like right. the best time zone to be in so i'm like sitting there watching this and i'm like oh dude we're, you know yeah we're up we're putting like 150 on this let's go like let's you know the right. biggest stanford cardinal fan you know this side of the mississippi not in palo alto and you know, next thing you know they're getting <laughs> asses handed to them and i'm just like all right who is this freshman that is just tearing up Stanford right now well so the fun, the thing about him too is he's a three he was a three-star recruit which I mean is not awful in the grand scheme but the only uh power conference team he was recruited by besides USC were Oregon State Vandy and NC State powerhouses okay Good. right like you, you you think I mean granted NC State has like what five quarterbacks in the NFL right now so maybe somehow maybe, has a pipeline for them yeah they know what they're doing um but yeah, I was like, yeah, there. At the very least, I'll hit the under. I mean, it's a it's a pick 'em. Besides that, but I I had there was I was like, there's no way the back two backups are gonna hit the over, especially one by himself. But yeah, no, I 
it, it, it blows my mind because you can put guys like, I mean, even Graham Harrell, who's the OC at USC, like you put them in those systems and like even Case Keenum, when he was at Houston, you just put them in an air raid offense and they, they look incredible. It's, it's, I don't know what it is about those things. And, uh, you know, you can just plug two stars in there and they, they, I mean, even hell Gardner Minshew's going to be starting for the Jags for the rest of the year. Yeah, it looks yeah. like. So I'm sure you're thrilled about that. Well, I mean, obviously I wasn't happy to see Nick Foles go down like that, but I, I feel like the, the, what everybody's going to say now is like, Oh, Nick Foles is injury prone. Like anybody who took any quarterback who took that hit the way he did and lands on a collarbone like that is going to be out. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's, yeah. it's not It's not Nick Foles' injury prone, which, I mean, remains to be seen if he is. He probably is to an extent, but. I mean, it's still, yeah, that was, that's a, that's an accident that's happened to any, anybody yeah. else. In the Gardner came in, they, the, uh, the thing his, of his three incompletions, two were dropped by receivers and one was batted down at the line. I saw that, which is insane to me because he was like, if you take those three away, he's like 24 of 24 for like 260 and two touchdowns. Yeah, so I mean, the with the AFC South, I feel like it remains to be seen. I think I think it's – I mean, granted, even though Tennessee is the only one that won this weekend, I think it's Houston's to lose. I think that unless Deshaun Watson gets hurt, I mean, they went toe-to-toe in New Orleans against who – probably should have been the Super Bowl representative last season. <laughs> I'm not – I as somebody who's a fan of a team who never plays New Orleans, I root for the Saints to lose all the time. And I thought it was hilarious that they almost lost based on another referee decision. I mean, like, the fact that everybody in those stands were in referee costumes just, like, screaming at them, I, I, the irony of that is just – it's too good. It's too good. So, but yeah, then, no, I, for some reason, Houston's defense was playing prevent when all they needed was it's not as if the Saints needed a touchdown, they needed a field goal. And like the Houston's defense just was playing back like they were just protecting for a Hail Mary the whole time. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really, you know, care for Booger McFarland like on the whole like Monday night football, but he pointed that out. He was like, there's no reason the Texans should be in prevent defense because. They were like – at that point, they were like, I guess, on the 45-yard line of their own, and they hit like a quick 10-yard slant or whatever it was to put Lutz in like position. And he's like, there's no reason to be playing prevent there. There's like nine seconds, nine seconds left on the clock. They're not going to be throwing that deep. You need to be playing press coverage to, you know, make him, you know, beat you in another way. And the fact that like they got into position and, you know, gave themselves a chance to win was pretty impressive. I'll give it to him. But still, like, I just – it doesn't make any sense to me that and like the squib kick in college football. Can we just do away with these things? What are we, what are we doing here? You know, squib kicking was like 15 seconds left on the clock in the college game. The clock starts after stops after our first right. down. So let's I'm just. Actually, I'm actually also pretty surprised that neither level in in both uh, pro and college that there hasn't been more of an emphasis on like very specific like directional kicking. Because I feel like these guys, a lot of them are good enough where they're like, where do you want me to put this ball? And you can like, I don't know, hit it in that like uh, no man's land in between the returners and that, that that last line of blockers or like make it die right there at like the five yard line where they have to decide if they're going to like go and return it or not. But it's always just like, yes, either squib kick it or kick it out of the back of the end zone if you can. Yeah, I, I just, it blows my mind. Like I, I just don't understand some of that stuff. So, but Neither here nor there. 
the only the only other game my the only game that I hit this weekend, so I'm four and four on the on the year right now, uh, is <laughs> uh, BYU. I got BYU at UT. Uh, it was a three and a half point line for Tennessee when I got it. I just picked BYU straight up. And I heard you last week talk about that, um, and you'll actually love this. So I'm going to a wedding in Nashville this weekend. Everybody that's in the wedding is Tennessee fans. So <laughs> I'm sitting there. The best was actually two weeks ago. I'm sitting there in a group text with all these guys, and this is when Georgia State comes into Knoxville and beats them. And, I mean, there's people just – I mean, they're sitting there talking about killing, you know – an entire handle of bourbon, just like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? This can't be like, okay, let's just get ready for BYU. And then BYU rolls in there last week. And I mean, how far has Tennessee fallen as a program? Because for you, especially as a Florida fan, I mean, you have to remember like 3.30 CBS, that's when they started their coverage every year. Tennessee, Florida had national, you know, title implications every single year. And now they can't even recruit, you know, some of the best players in the country. They can't even field a competitive team against Georgia State. And you got BYU coming into Knoxville and knocking them off. And it's just – you sit there and you're just like, how did this happen? Well, and I think uh, – this is going to sound weird, but I think if BYU had one week one against Utah, I think Tennessee would have had a better chance to win. Uh, I, I think – I mean, because it's BYU's not – I mean, they shouldn't be beating Tennessee and Knoxville, but they're not a bad team either. So I thought sure. another thing was like, yeah, it's probably not likely that Tennessee loses two games in a row, especially to non-power conference teams. But, I mean, it's not – BYU also doesn't lose two games in a row very often. That's very true. And I don't remember the head coach at BYU, uh, but, I mean, that guy, he – He's usually got a very well coached team. Yeah, they might be seven and five, eight and four, whatever. They're not going to, you know, blow anybody away. But I mean, they're usually pretty disciplined. They go out there, they play a pretty good game. Um, if they get beat, it's probably because the other team has more uh, talent than they do. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, yeah, they don't lose, you know, that many games back to back. And I mean, yeah, that, that was very surprising to me. Um, one thing I do want to ask you, I mean, that, Tennessee Chattanooga line this week is Tennessee minus 28. Um, that came to a noon kick in, I guess it's an 11, 11 o'clock kick in Knoxville. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there a chance that Chattanooga, the moccasins, the my moccasins from Chattanooga come in there and knock them off? I, 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 I mean, at this point, I'm not going to be surprised at anything. I don't know enough about Chattanooga moccasins. <laughs> Neither do I, but I'll tell you one thing I'm not doing. I'm not laying 28 points with Tennessee against Chattanooga. Um, let's see. I'm looking up Chattanooga right now. I think they got their asses handed to them by Jacksonville. So, State. yeah, they, they, they won in week one, 24 to 10 against Eastern Illinois. But, yeah, you're right. Last week against Jacksonville State, they lost 41 to 20. But Jacksonville State's a good uh, FCS program. They went into Auburn and almost beat them a couple of years ago. That's true. So – but I, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's a – it's an 11 a.m. kick, I'm pretty sure. And you know, it's, probably, it's probably the noon the noon SEC game. Exactly. Uh, and then you've got a team that just lost to BYU and lost to B, or lost to Georgia State the year – or the week prior. And so they're 0-2. I mean, how much are they really going to be, you know, getting up for Chattanooga? Yeah. So, it's, already, it's already hard enough, I feel like, for teams like that in general to get up for your, your you know, your – 
teams that paid to come and play you. Yeah. So, Which, of course, Georgia State did that, so look where that happened. Yeah. But someone pointed this out. Like, Georgia State's not recruiting from, you know, like a poor man's place. Like, those no. – they're getting dudes out of the state of Georgia. I mean, they're, they've, they've got some, you know, if you're not going to Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, whatever, and, you know, you don't end up at Tech or, I mean, that's, you know, not a bad place to go play. I mean, they, they well, that's, got one, some that's one of the things that I hear about that, like, what's the big, like, sleeping giant in, in college football? And the, the one that I always hear brought up a lot is Georgia Tech. And especially now that they're not running the triple option anymore. I mean, Paul Johnson had a couple of, like, really good years here and there, but there was always that, like, feeling with Georgia Tech. But now that they have a different coach that's running, like, I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, a real offense, the, like, they don't have to really leave Metro Atlanta to get most of their recruits. It's, it's the same thing as if you're coaching in Miami. Like, you don't have to go anywhere. You all – everybody you need to recruit is in your, in your own backyard. In- People forget Georgia Tech had two of the best wide receiver recruits and two of the best wide receivers, at least one of them, is the best that's ever played at the receiver position in the NFL in Calvin Johnson. They also had Demarius Thomas. Like, when they had an offense, they were getting some of the best players in the entire country. Yeah, I mean, like, and then who's the dude uh, that was playing tight end for Oakland last night? Uh, oh. He was a he's a rookie or like a no not a rookie but a couple year starter uh, out of Georgia Tech. What is his name? Somebody was telling me to pick him up in uh, fantasy. Hold on, I'm looking this up now. Oh, I I picked up Delaney Walker off the fucking scrap heap and that paid dividends. Waller, his last name's Waller. Waller. Yeah. yeah, Darren Waller. Yeah, man. Yeah, everybody was so hyped on that guy. But yeah, yeah. So, um, was, but yeah, man. I was I was actually working last night during uh, or not last night Monday night during the Monday night football games, and they had that like G. So like down here, there's a big deaf community. So like there were some deaf people in there, and yeah, the the G Easy uh, like performance at halftime came on, and like I could hear it because we had the things on, and I was like, this is the first time I've ever envied deaf people. It was <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever heard. Was it that bad? And G Easy, I feel like he has like that one okay song, but I feel like outside of that, he's like, he he's like, if nobody puts a fuck boy in his place, and just yeah, like lets him get away with shit, and get away with shit. And now he's a famous rapper. I I don't. There is a picture, and I'll have to send it to you later. There is a picture of him going to prom his junior year with cornrows in. It <laughs> is. I mean. You want to talk about putting that on every single social media platform you have and just blowing it up? I, it's unbelievable, man. I, I, yeah, so that, that, that doesn't shock me even a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's from like the Bay Area too, so I mean, he's he's a little bit of a different breed for sure. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I haven't had a lot of experience with uh, folks from the West Coast. I, it's Atlanta and Northeast Florida, and that's that's <laughs> about my my range of uh, culturalism, I guess. I was gonna say, I mean, I can definitely give you some culture from the uh, from the mountain high, or from the mile high. So, oh, one of my one of my buddies uh, just moved out there not that long ago. Uh, I guess he's been there about a year now, maybe a little longer. He's like, honestly, the only weird thing is, you know, just coming from Atlanta is the lack of people of color and like black people and brown people. You just don't see a lot of those. I I can't disagree with him. I mean, in <laughs> it, it's yeah. I mean, you t- again, you take away the humidity and the traffic, and especially 
I mean, the beer they brew out here is just insane. So, yeah. So, um, but one thing I did want to hit on because, um, you know, being out in the Rocky Mountains, dude, that Colorado-Nebraska game last weekend, um, have a lot of CU friends in Nebraska just flooded all of Boulder. And I don't know if you saw that whole thing with the ticket. You know, they were trying to restrict Nebraska from getting in there. Um, But for Colorado to come back and for Mel Tucker in his first year, I mean, he didn't look – they didn't look great against Colorado State by any means. But I think Colorado State has won that game like three years in a row now, right? No, other way. uh, Colorado's won it like – Oh, you're right. right, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, In – so, I mean, they beat, you know, Colorado State. And obviously, I mean, there was a lot of emphasis because you go back to the 90s, like that was the premier, mm-hmm. you know, rivalry. But for them to come back and, I mean, they hit like a 98-yard flea flicker from their own end zone and that kind of turned the tide of the game. That, but, that was crazy to have like – I mean, it's one thing to call a deep pass out of, your, out of your own end zone, but to call a flea flicker – I mean, that takes balls. When you're down, what, tw- like 17 or 21 at that point? Yeah. I mean, that takes a lot of kahunas that a lot of coaches don't have. And, I mean, I'll give it to Mel Tucker. He, he probably was thinking to himself, I don't have a lot to lose here. It's my first year. This thing goes badly. Nebraska was supposed to beat us anyways. Yeah. So, that's, that's the nice thing about being a first-year coach at a place like Colorado is, like, as long as you don't absolutely crater and, like, not win any games, they're going to give you a lot of leeway. As exactly. What's your what – your, what they're going to let you kind of like get away with, so to speak. And I mean, so for the fact that he called that, I mean, I'll give him credit. I mean, that turned, that changed the entire sort of changed the entire tide of the game. I mean, that was really fantastic. So um, the one thing I wanted to ask you, when do we start selling Scott Frostock? Because that guy has been the hottest name of anybody probably in the last years, last five years of coaching. Oh yeah. And he was four and eight last year. Didn't go to a bowl game. They started in the top twenty-five. Didn't really look that great against South Alabama, and then blew a lead to Nebraska. So, well, when it's funny, are we it's funny you say that because I the I was talking with somebody else the other day, and if you go back to when Florida was looking for a new head coach for the hired Mullen, the two big names on the list were Chip Kelly and Scott Frost. <sighs> And We're going to talk about Chip Kelly in a second, too. I got one for you as well. UCLA, but UCLA looks like trash. They look bad. And granted, I mean, I guess we'll see. But th- this is Chip Kelly's second year, and they don't look – I mean, they look got – awful. Yeah, they got trashed by Cincinnati in week one and uh, lost week two. I, I, mean, the Pac- I mean, the Pac-12, maybe they can still make a bowl game, especially the Pac-12 South. This doesn't look great. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I mean, I don't know how, how long you want to give Scott Frost. And I, I also think, like, you have to kind of accept the reality of, uh, n- at least for Nebraska fans, the big-time recruits really aren't going to Nebraska anymore. Like, they're just not. At all. The reason, the reason a place like Wisconsin makes it work is because – they're fine with getting a lot of three and like lower four star recruits and like sprinkling in like a high four or low, uh, five star guy and coaching them up and making them better versus just recruiting a bunch of talent, which I mean, like it's, it's just not, that doesn't happen anymore. Sure. And one thing I will say, obviously for Wisconsin's benefit, I mean, they just get these running backs that just are generational talents. And I mean, outside of, you know, obviously being a Georgia Homer, um, Wisconsin just seems to have these 
running backs that just come in and are just disgusting from day one. Yeah. It's unbelievable how I, – I mean, that cupboard has been stocked since the early 2000s of just unbelievable running backs. So, yeah. Right, but but Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor is the only non-quarterback, I think, that has a shot to win the Heisman this year. And I'm kind of glad you said that because he's about the only guy I probably would take at this point outside. I mean, I took DeAndre Swift on a flyer just to see what happened. Um, that's not to say DeAndre couldn't just, you know, show out in like the Notre Dame games and some of the other, you know, big time games for George and kind of take that away. But I mean, Jonathan Taylor is going to get the rock 30, 40 times yeah, a game. Yeah, I think, I think that's the difference. Like Swift just isn't going to get the ball enough. Because yeah. Georgia has what, five, five star running backs. <laughs> They're all really good in their own right, too. So, yeah. Um, but, no, I'm glad you brought up Wisconsin because I actually have a ticket. Um, I took the season win total under for Nebraska because everybody was picking them to be the Big Ten West representative. And I don't – I mean, I don't think they're going to be – I'd be surprised if they get to six wins. I mean, seven and a half is the over-under. But – They've got Northern Illinois, who they should beat this week, but they're at Illinois, who, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, say that that's a loss by any means, but but then you've got – I mean, take it all with a grain of salt, but Lovey, Lovey has them looking good. And, and Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But so, okay, at that point you're looking at – you're three and one. Then you've got Ohio State, Northwestern. You're going to Minnesota, Indiana, at Purdue, Wisconsin, at Maryland, and Iowa. Those last four games, I, I mean, you could lose all four of those. I don't, so, know, I don't, I don't know enough about Maryland yet. Uh, you know, I think, I think that remains to be seen because they haven't played anybody of anybody great. But it's one of those things too, where like I'm never gonna beguile a team for like beating the shit out of somebody they should beat the shit out of. Yeah, right. And Maryland's gone out there and done that. And they they look fantastic doing it too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's bizarre how good look, how good they have looked. So, but yeah, you're right. Looking at Nebraska's schedule, I'm looking at one one game for sure that they'll probably win. I was going to say, if you take away Illinois, you're talking about one game on that schedule that is for sure in the bag. But also, like Northwestern could be a win because Northwestern either wins or loses all their games by three to seven points. <laughs> So yeah, Pat's Fitzgerald, man. Minnesota, maybe. Uh, Indiana, maybe. I think Purdue also made – Purdue ended up beating Vanderbilt this week, right? Yeah, they they actually kind of torched Vanderbilt, I believe. That's so weird. Like, I, I mean, depending on how Vanderbilt does, and obviously a lot of the SEC teams have to play each other, but I feel like this might be the least amount of SEC teams in bowl games in a while. Yeah, I think that's a fair – I mean, the SEC East, I think you kind of hit on this maybe in a week prior, but the SEC East, the bottom half, it, I mean, it's garbage. It is not good. Like, maybe maybe uh, Ryan Helensky at uh, South Carolina turns out to be good, but their their offensive line is just a fucking shit show, and that, is that, it? that schedule is just too hard. Like, I, it's like, awful. Even if they have – like the talent of a six or seven win team. They're not beating Alabama. They're not beating uh, Georgia. They're not beating Clemson. Probably not beating Florida. Uh, I'm still, I'm still cautiously optimistic about Florida. I, I, um, for Florida, honestly, not to go off on like a little tangent. I think they're 
basically as far as like where they end up the same team as they were last year. I think they end up about nine or 10 wins. Uh, probably don't go to one of the big bowls because I think LSU will probably take that spot uh, or whichever, whichever one of the three teams don't go to the playoffs, LSU, Alabama, Georgia. Cause I think of those three, two of them go to the playoffs. Sure. Yeah. So Florida will end up as like a nine or 10 win team in the Citrus Bowl again. And I, I'm as a Florida fan, I'm completely okay with that. Uh, we're only, we're just not quite there yet. Uh, we're, we're in that second, uh, I guess, second level of like teams in, in college football. And the first level is a very small handful of Ohio state, Georgia, Clemson, Alabama. And that's probably Oklahoma. Like that's the five, yeah, you know, I, probably. Oklahoma. Um, and then after that, I think there's a big drop. Um, one thing I did want to say, I, I, is there anybody in college football that we're rooting for more than Ryan Helensky? No, I don't think so. And I like when I, when I looked him up, I was like, Oh, Helensky, I, like it didn't even occur to me that he was related to the, oh, the Washington state quarterback who. Yeah. Tyler Helensky. Yeah. yeah. Tyler who took his, who took his life. And like, I can, like, I can't imagine how, like how emotional that must be not only for him, but for like his parents, like go back out there. They, they relocated down to South Carolina to be able to watch him more and, it's one of those things where like I'm gonna root I'm gonna root really hard for him every single time that I don't have money on him or they're playing Florida. Um, yeah, absolutely. Outside of that, like it's hard not to root for this kid. And like it's sorry, it, it also starts to feel weird where you're like because we're both like in our late twenties, early thirties, it's like this this guy is a kid. Like this yeah. was twelve years ago, but he's on like this huge stage. And like trying to deal with all these like complex emotional things and like who the fuck knows what's going through his head right now. Seriously. I mean, it must be, it must be tough enough to be a true freshman in the SEC to start for a team. You pile on the actual like, you know, uh, family, you know, issues that he kind of has had to deal with over the last two, three years. And it's just, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what that is like for an individual like that just it, it has to be overwhelming so yeah totally rooting for that kid um he's a four-star too or was a four-star coming yeah, out so was, i mean he, he flipped from somebody had him and then he flipped over to uh um south carolina let me see i want to say it was another like really big like school that would usually would lose he's from california so it's shocking that he went to South Carolina in the first place. Let's see. Uh, oh my God. This is one of those things where like there's 8 million different things that load. So the, yeah. Yeah. You need a real quick answer, but you're just like yeah. sitting there hitting. Yeah. Uh, LSU offered him USC, UCLA offered him NC state, Ole Miss. I mean, the kid's got skills. I mean, he, he was obviously a, a pretty highly touted recruit. Yeah. So, although LSU doesn't need a quarterback because they have the best quarterback in the country right now. All right, I'm <laughs> glad you brought that up because all right, before the season, do you want to take a guess at what Joe Burrow was at Caesar's Palace to win the Heisman? Uh, thirty to one, six thousand to one. Wow. Do you know what it is this week? This week he he moved up to like ten to one or something, right? Six to one. Six wow. to one. I mean, that is just – listen, the guys earned it. That, that system that they put into place has 
benefited him and LSU in ways that I don't think any of us really ever could have imagined. Um, but he, I mean, before we kind of get into what he did against Texas, where does Texas get the gall to even consider themselves DBU? Like, they were wearing those shirts, and I was insulted. I'm not even an LSU fan. I'm just like, where are you – who told you to wear DBU shirts? Did, when right. was the last time Texas put a DB in the NFL? So I can't, I can't – like, the, the big ones for me that I can think of are – like, the big schools are LSU, obviously, Florida, and Ohio State. Like when I was going to say, that's the three. That's it. There's no other back. Oh, and Florida State. I'll, I'll, I'll throw Florida State in there. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But outside of those, you know, three or four, I don't – like, I definitely don't think of Texas. They said this on the broadcast. Do you know the last time there was a first-round draft pick from Texas? Was it Colt McCoy? Vince Young, 2006. Yeah. yeah. So, and I guess just... – oh, that's bad. For them to sit there and just wear, yeah, we're the one DBU, I was just like, I, I, I'm a Georgia fan through and through, and I'm insulted by this. This is a really bad look for you right now. But, no, let's go back to Joe Burrow, because he torched that Texas defense. That was one of the more impressive things I think I've ever seen. Or not ever seen, but, I mean, that was a really impressive performance by him. Um, I thought he went out there. Played a really good game. Those receivers at LSU were the real deal. I mean, they went out there um, in – I mean, I think he threw for 450 yards and four TDs. Like, I mean, that's that's no slouch there. I mean, that's well, a really good game. It's also because Coach O, I feel like, has really, like, opened up that playbook, right? Because, like, it's not as if LSU hasn't had that talent on offense before. I mean, there was that one year where they had Zach Mettenberger, uh, Alfred Blue – uh, OBJ, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. Uh, who was that other running back? Um, they had another running back who went, ended up going on to the NFL. Uh, but, like, but it was back when Les Miles was still there, and he was still, you know, playing with a fullback on half the place. <laughs> like, yeah. nothing, nothing against, like, people who play fullback, but it's one of those things where, like, you need to be able to play, like, a lot of different positions and be very interchangeable and, like, the offenses are more like wide open and like spread out and this this i mean and and we're we're also going to run into like the the cliche of oh it's big 12 defense sure um but i mean we'll see i mean lsu obviously has to play florida alabama and auburn uh among other among other teams this season uh so we'll see how they go against other defenses but yeah they, they they were the biggest game of the weekend, and they they were they on the board and showed out. I mean, they looked good. They looked the part. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, is is Texas actually back? Because they handled their business against Georgia, and say whatever you will against Georgia and their actual um, enthusiasm level in the Sugar Bowl last year, but they beat Georgia, and then they go toe-to-toe with, you know, one of the premier teams in the SEC. So – I mean, do you think Texas is back? It, define, it depends on how you define back, right? I mean, like, yeah, they're, they're definitely better than they were, but the, the, <laughs> the, bar, the bar since Mac Brown left has been set pretty low. Sure. Um, I, think, I think it depends on your, your expectations for the season. So, I, Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. Um, last, what I kinda... year, 
last year, if I'm a Texas fan, I'm ecstatic about that. I mean, obviously I hate that the one game, the game we lost to Oklahoma was the big 12 championship game and not the regular season game. Like if sure. we're going to go one and one against them, I think I'd rather win the, the conference. Yeah, the other way around. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, outside of that, I think it's hard to argue with the results, but they, they still have to, they still haven't won a conference title. Um, and so, you know, we'll see, I think, Another season like this will probably be okay for Texas fans. Then after that, they're going to start expecting more. I think if they can win the Big 12 this year, that would be the next step for them. And then you really start to kind of consider – because Sam Ellinger is only a sophomore, right? Like He's going to be back this year. But the shitty shitty thing about it is if they win the Big 12 this year, it's going to have to be the same way that happened last year. They'll they'll play Oklahoma and then they'll play Oklahoma again. Like I don't see anybody else in the Big Twelve competing for the Big Twelve title game, so it'll be Texas and Oklahoma in the Big Twelve title game again. You don't like Iowa State? Well, I mean, we'll see. I I think they're they're going to be okay. Um, they got game day. So yeah, because no no top twenty five team from another top twenty five team. Yeah, it's no, I I, I agree. I. I I, do I think Texas is back? They're getting there. Um, I think if they win the Big 12 championship this year, and can if they beat Oklahoma twice this year, that would be pretty impressive. And, like, let's say they run the table, beat Oklahoma twice this year, win the Big 12, they're probably talking that, that they're in the playoff. Yeah, I think, I think you could definitely argue that they're in the playoff because, I mean, I don't – unless Utah ends up going undefeated or, I mean, I guess USC, but, I mean, I don't think USC is going to do it. I think Utah is the best shot. Nobody from the Pac-12 is getting in. Um, I think you can go ahead and eliminate Notre Dame because Georgia's going to trounce them next week. Uh, so they're not getting in. Clemson is going to be the only team out of the ACC. The Big Ten, I mean, Ohio State. I think Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin all have a shot. Uh, I think the only way Wisconsin has a shot is actually winning the Big Ten. Um, yeah, but- yeah. Um, Michigan's got to get their shit together. I, but <laughs> then in the SEC, I think you you can argue in the SEC you have the the three best teams in the country right now, uh, or three of the four: uh, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, and then I think the fourth best team. I guess I, guess I should say top four to five, and then four and five, and this is in no particular order: is Clemson and Ohio State. Yeah, in. I mean, I I'd, I would personally lump Oklahoma in there as well. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about Oklahoma. Yeah. They, they had their game on pay-per-view last week. <laughs> what, you weren't paying $100 to go see them play? Come on. I don't know. Man. It was better than their pay-per-view game last year. when That was when they played Army and almost lost. And I don't know if you remember that when, when like, it started, like, it got into the fourth quarter and it was still close. It's like 21-21. Yeah, everybody was watching it on this guy's Twitch stream instead of paying for it. <laughs> Like he had his feet up on his table the whole time. So you had to watch the game with the dude's feet in the picture the whole time. It, it, some of the stuff that like you, people will do to watch college football games is what makes college football fandom just one of the greatest things in the world. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's fabulous. It's definitely like – obviously the NFL has played at a much higher level, but this is that shit, dumb shit like that is why I like college football. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, before we go any farther, I know I talked to you about this before, but we've got to assess this AC situation at Texas. Like this whole, it's one of the most bizarre storylines that is just, there's like four different things that have come off of it. Like 
Coach O finally came out today, I think, and said, hey, you know, there was an AC, but it wasn't really that big of a deal. So that led me to the question of like, who actually leaked this? Like who, who was, I mean, it's such a 2019 thing to be like, oh, by the way, there wasn't ACs in this one locker room. In a like, locker room. Like, is there ACs in any of the locker rooms? Like what? Yeah, I don't, it, well, I, I mean, I would assume if you're spending so much fucking money on stadiums, there probably is. But I, so far, the, the funniest thing that I've seen about it was somebody asked Skip Holtz about it, who's the coach at Louisiana Tech. Thank God you brought that up. That was going to be my next point. Yeah, Louisiana. Skip Holtz is getting involved. What are we doing here? Skip Holtz was just like, well, it wasn't hot, but it wasn't cold. <laughs> like, not helping at all. Just I was like, going to say, so it was lukewarm? Like it was room temperature? <laughs> what do you mean, Skip? Thanks for your input there. But you're right. It's just one of those things where like, yeah, it's probably, I mean, if the AC was broken, it would have been nice for, I guess, if they would have told them or if they would have just, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, it's one of those things that you said, it's 2019, we got to find something. As if the game itself wasn't good enough to talk about. In, I'm not sure how much you've watched at Texas football. I, I, I guess I've watched a pretty decent amount. And I've also been to um, Daryl K. Royal Stadium, which is their stadium. Right. Um, that stadium has been under construction for, like, what seems like 50 days or 50 years. Like, it seems like it's been <laughs> – I, I, when I was there, they were doing construction and it, if there's construction constantly going on, there has to be a fan, an industrial sized fan somewhere. Just go roll that thing into the locker room and just be like, Hey guys, here's your AC for the day. <laughs> like if anything, just for the smell. Exactly. Like I just, it, it blew my mind that this became such a big deal because it didn't seem like the LSU players or coaches made a big deal about it. I don't really know who actually leaked it. I'll be honest. The first way I saw it was on a Reddit page. It was like LSU did not have AC. And then I start seeing these other things and it's like Skip Holtz is starting to get involved. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is well, one of the, and the more- funny thing is I bet, I bet Skip Holtz doesn't give a shit one way or the other, but somebody asked him and they were yeah. like, it was just like, oh, I don't know. But I will say this. If someone knew that that was an actual issue, and obviously it sounds like from what Coach O said, who, then again, his, like, pain threshold is very interesting because he could probably get hit over the head by a two-by-four and not feel anything. Uh, yeah. um, but if someone knew that that was going on and actively did not put an AC unit or a fan in that locker room for a competitive edge – then heads need to roll at Texas because that's not okay. Um, you're talking about Texas in the middle of September. It was almost 100 degrees. Like, these are student athletes out there. And, like, you just – you don't need to be putting kids, like, in that amount of danger. But, again, it sounds like everything was fine. It's just such a bizarre storyline out of that game. Yeah, and on, I think, like, you know, I get what you're saying, but I also – to me, when it talks – when we're talking about, like – conspiracies or, or however however you want to say it I think a lot of people underestimate just pure human stupidity sure. maybe maybe that maybe if the AC was broken it was supposed to have been fixed already and like there was a bunch of bureaucratic bullshit going on and like oh this is why I didn't get fixed because we didn't fill out the proper paperwork to get our uh, mechanic or whomever or engineer over there to fix it and that's why it didn't work but nobody really seems to care except for whoever's writing this article yeah absolutely yeah no I, I completely agree with you on that so it just was such a bizarre thing to me yeah. so um, 
But one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, I know you said that you were on the UNC weight game this week, right? Yeah, because the line that I got it at was, I mean, it, it is at Wake, but then again, Wake Forest is what, like 90 minutes from North Carolina's campus, if that? Yeah, I, I mean, Tobacco Road, it's all like in that yeah. triangle, I'm pretty sure. Like, But North Carolina is plus two, or North Carolina is plus three right now. Yeah, that's what I see that too. Um, I mean, North. I mean, granted, Wake Forest is also two and zero, but North Carolina has two wins over power conference teams. I mean, it's Miami and uh, South, South Carolina. Carolina. So yeah. like, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But they're two and zero. They they seem to be playing well. Wake Forest barely beat Utah State in Week One uh, at home. And then last week they played Rice and they won forty-one to twenty. Um, yeah, granted, they had to go on the road, which is always weird when a power conference team goes on the road to a place like Rice. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, I mean Houston's delightful this time of year, I'm told. So, um, no, I, I one thing I, I was looking at this as you had mentioned it. Um, do you know that this is actually a non-ACC matchup? I actually did know that now that I think about it. I remember hearing that. So it's like some weird thing that got put on the schedule before like conferences got realigned or something. Yeah. So apparently they've only met three times in the last 11 years and they never, I guess they don't do the crossovers in the ACC or whatever it is, or if they do the crossovers, they haven't been matched up, but um, obviously these teams aren't going to the ACC championship to play each other. So they were just like, you know what, to hell with this. We're just going to schedule an out of conference game between conference foes. And so it is UNC Wake, but it has absolutely no bearing on the ACC race. Also, are they they're they're not in the same division, right? They're they're in separate divisions, right? And that's why they haven't played each other. Got it. Well, I mean, that's that's just the weird thing about all this like realignment that's been taking place because like Florida plays Auburn on October the fifth or the twelfth. I don't remember exactly, but this is the first time Florida is going to be playing Auburn in I think since like twenty twelve. Since Maybe. like when Maybe was around? Yeah. Like it's it's been a while and Florida and Auburn used to play each other every year. It was a semi rivalry, I guess, although I think everybody in the SEC thinks they have a rivalry with everybody else. Yeah. Pretty much. Um yeah, I don't know. Like the the line I like I expected North Carolina to be favored in this game. And when North Carolina is a Three, I, I I wanted to be greedy and almost just take, pick them straight up, but I was like, I'll just I'll just take the points. So you're taking North Carolina? Yeah, I mean at plus three, um, North Carolina's looked good for I mean for what they for what they have, and it's I don't know. No, listen, I, I I tend to agree with you to a certain extent. Like everybody dogged North Carolina for hiring Mac Brown, and it's obviously showed pretty early on in the season that he's starting to pay dividends. So I, I don't know. I've got a little bit of vendetta with Wake Forest. I had them in that first week against Utah state and they came back and I'm pretty sure they covered or I, the hook was the one that I think really killed me at the end there. So I've got a little bit of vendetta there with Wake Forest. I'm personally going to stay away from the game, um, but I'm probably with you. I think I would take North Carolina just because Mac Brown is kind of, I mean, he's, you know, he's, pay dividends just being the coach there and those kids are rallying around him and they're playing some you know listen they played Miami and South Carolina those two of the best teams in the country no but at the same time like those kids believe in what he's doing so yeah um, 
And I think I think Miami's 0-2 record is a little bit misleading. Miami has a very – I mean, I watched the Florida-Miami game in person. Miami has a very, very, very bad offensive line. Outside of that, everything else they have, I mean, their defense is very good. They're, that quarterback they have, that true freshman, is very good. I think he outplayed Felipe Franks uh, in that game. Um, but Felipe had more help. Uh, it and then they go up to they had to go to North Carolina. I I don't know. I think I think North Carolina might be the second best team in the ACC. Okay, um, I'm I'm big on Virginia this year. That's who I'm oh, taking yeah, as yeah. the second best team. Um, yeah. But I'm not gonna listen. The, the second best team in the ACC probably is the third or fourth best team in some group of five conferences. So yeah, I'm about to say if if you plug any of those teams in the AAC, they're not beating uh, UCF. They're probably not beating Houston. They're not beating Cincinnati. Uh, beating Cincinnati, who got fucking crushed. Which yeah, some of us had Cincinnati last year. That's us over here in Denver. We're gonna raise our hands <laughs> high and take that one. Yeah, that was an but after after watching that game and then seeing what Ohio State did in week one, when I when I got the line, uh, Ohio State, uh, where the fuck did I write that down? Um, Ohio State is where I looked. It's a 15-and-a-half point uh, favored over Indiana. I think Ohio State wins that by at least 30. Yeah, I, they've looked good early on this year. Um, I, I obviously don't feel – uh, a lot of empathy or uh you know anything for justin fields as a as a collegiate athlete i think he has always been told yes in his life and he just didn't you know like what was going on at georgia and he you know dipped out and listen he went to a place that was going to start him and i kind of understand that whole thing yeah. it's a business at that point um well that's this- the thing that i never get when especially at the quarterback position more than anything else when kids like fields or like uh I guess guys who go to places like, I mean, even Alabama to a point, because obviously we didn't know Jalen Hurts was going to play as bad as he did um, and to get replaced, so to speak. But why do you go to a place when there's a quarterback already in front of you that's already very good that is a sophomore or something? Like, you're not going to get playing time unless you beat him out. So, like, I wonder how much – I mean, obviously with the transfer portal being what it is now and, like, you can get this, like, immediate exception, but – why Why would you go to a place – I mean, I, I guess I get, like, the competitive nature and wanting to compete and try to win the starting job. Or you can just go to a place where you know you're going to win or win that starting job. And then it's not – you don't have to go to, like, a fucking Mac school or a conference school. <laughs> you can still go to a power conference school and start from day one at quarterback. Hey, don't don't knock my Mac schools, man. I like a good Mac in Tuesday oh, night I mean, game, man. If, if, if Eastern Michigan and Kent State are playing on a Tuesday night, I'm going to watch – Listen, you don't get Akron, Ohio every single day of the week. So, listen, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. No, I – listen, I, I understand what Fields did. Um, he's trying to make it to the NFL. That's what they're all trying to do and get paid. I, I, you know, totally understand that. I just – the kid was handed everything in his life, it seems, and didn't really want to work that hard. At least that's kind of what the reports were from Georgia, you know, uh, inner circles. Um, and he went to Ohio State, and he's looked really good. I, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat that, but – I just kind of want to pump the brakes. You know, I mean, he played Florida Atlantic the first week, and it looked like they were playing with five defenders almost the entire game. Yeah. And then the Cincinnati game, I mean, they manhandled them. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And he looked good. So um, he's got a really good, um, you know, run at it. And I, 
you know, if they keep winning like this, I mean, they'll be in the playoffs. So. Yeah, and, and, and 15 and a half points is just not a lot. It's just over two touchdowns, which regardless of who the quarterback is, Ohio State should win by three touchdowns over Indiana at all times. They just have a different, a different type of player there. Yeah, and where is this – like, you said it's 15 and a half? Yeah. Where, who is – like, who's taking 15 and a half there? Indiana homers? I, I mean, even then, like, I, I'm not sure I, I could do that. I just... Yeah, I mean, I don't – Indiana, I think – Indiana's only – when I looked at it earlier, Indiana's only played one game this season. Jeez. Um, oh, if memory – oh, no, I take it back. They played two. They, they won last week against Eastern Illinois, 52 to nothing. So, I mean, good. Ooh, powerhouse there. Beat a team you should have beat by a lot. Um, and then week one, they played Ball State, and they won by 10. Um, and – I mean, it's not as a ball state is like world beaters or anything like that. That's not one of those teams where you expect to like one of those G five teams that you expect to make a, you know, a power bowl game or something like that. So, you know, now that we keep talking about it, I've actually kind of talked myself into just like mortgaging my house on Ohio state this week at 15 and a half. Like I'm just, you know, we're taking everything we can there. We're taking well, loans out. We're putting everything on that guy who bet like he got real drunk Friday night bet like thousands of dollars on Auburn to beat Tulane just to beat them not to not to cover yeah <laughs> to win like I think it was like a five thousand dollar bet to win fifty dollars yeah I did see that um <laughs> I'm like I mean I guess it's easy money like have you seen um the reports about this guy I don't know who it is I don't know if he's an Illinois homer or what but he was just going into Vegas club or uh, Vegas sports books. And the first week they played Akron, the spread, I believe was 11. Oh he yeah. Brought in 80,000. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Brought in $80,000, apparently in a duffel bag, dropped it down and was like, Hey, I'd like to put 80,000 on Illinois minus 11. And they were like, Whoa, that's was, <laughs> wait that a minute. That was definitely Lovey Smith's agent. Yeah, probably. Somebody's got to buy him out. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, Ohio State, I, I really like that. Um, I think some of my – like, these are the three best plays, or at least that I'm probably going to be playing a lot this week. Um, I think Virginia, minus seven against Florida State, um, is one of the better plays of the week. Listen – Florida State had to give the ball to Cam Akers 36 times last week to beat UL Monroe by one in overtime. Yeah, I was I was watching that game and like as a Florida fan, I was just like, obviously I'm rooting for Florida State to lose that game, but Georgia Georgia was not going to start out 0 and 2. That was never going to happen. Georgia's a good team, but having Miami be 0 and 2, Tennessee be 0 and 2, and Florida State be 1 and 1 and be lucky to be 1 and 1. And Florida's two and zero, and they look fine going into this week. It it feels pretty good to be a Florida fan right now. I can't imagine it, you must be on cloud nine compared to the other programs in that state because I, I asked this earlier when we start selling Scott Frost stock. When do we bankrupt Willie Taggart as an actual good coach? I mean, because already he wasn't he wasn't that good at Oregon. Like I I I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how a guy has progressed his way up to one of the best programs in the entire country in he had to beat UL Monroe by one in OT and didn't realize that you probably have to hydrate players 
a little bit more in the state of Florida in the beginning of September against the Boise State team. No, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm fine with that. I hope they keep Taggart forever. <laughs> did you see, uh, to, to backtrack a little bit, you were talking about teams in the state of Florida. Did you see week one? I think it was a Thursday or Friday night game when UCF played uh, uh, Florida A&M. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I saw the score. Yeah. So I watched a little bit of the game itself because I was like flipping back and forth. Florida A&M, historically black college, their quarterback is just a regular white guy. Listen, you know I, was, I was shook. Like I, <laughs> I see those, I see those historically black schools, and sometimes they'll, like the kicker or the punter will be white. And I'm like, right. All right, that's fine. I have a, I have a buddy that went to Georgia College, who his first year, uh, his freshman year, he actually went to Savannah State. He's a white guy, but he played baseball, so he got a baseball scholarship there. Um, like there, there are certain things where like you see a white guy or a white person in general at an HBCU, you're like, all right, that makes sense. Not quarterback for the football team. I was gonna say, you know, that's definitely one of those things where you kind of had it like kicker or punter. Yeah, I kind of get that, but yeah, I, it, that is. Uh, I did not watch any of the games, so I, I can't actually speak to that. So. I mean, the final score was like seventy to like seventy to nothing. So I mean, I I'm sure I can't imagine he's like great, but. Uh, one of one of my buddies was like, "How how are you a college in the state of Florida and you can't find a black quarterback better than this guy? Like, not to be like like racist or anything, but you're an HBCU and you're in the state of Florida. It seems pretty. It seems like it should be pretty easy to find a black guy that can play quarterback that wants to come to an HBCU better than this white guy. I mean, it's one of the most popular states in the union. So yeah, I think that probably isn't a far fetched idea. And in so. South Florida, you can just like." pick up like pick any high school football roster and that guy's probably going to be a pretty decent college football player at some level sure yeah no i i totally understand what you're saying <laughs> so uh, yeah that uh that that is surprising to me as well so yeah i think uh yeah i mean i i think that's probably a, a decent line i don't i don't know enough about virginia this year um so i didn't i don't want to really touch that uh but I, I I don't think that's a terrible bet. Taking what you what you say was a minus seven. For yeah, so it's seven, and they're playing at seven thirty in Charlottesville. Florida State's got to go up there again. I mean, yeah, they this Florida, almost this is Florida State's first road game this year too. Yeah, and they almost lost to UL Monroe. And it, I mean, listen, Virginia's not going to blow anybody away. Uh, again, they're probably the second best team or third best team in the ACC, and that's not really saying a whole lot about them. But you know, they you know, should beat this Florida State team. They're going to be hungry. It's a 7.30 night game in Charlottesville. Um, they get over this. Uh, they've, they've got a clear path to the ACC title game if they can keep winning football games. So Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the ACC – is that the Coastal? I can never remember the difference. I can't either. Hold on, give me a second. Well, whichever, whichever one is. Yeah, I mean, it's – I think – I mean, at this point, it's Virginia and North Carolina. Or, I mean, I guess Virginia and North Carolina are the two teams that are – that have to be favorited to go into the conference championship game at this point against Clemson. Yeah, I was going to say, so I just looked it up. So it's Coastal. So you got UNC, Duke, Pittsburgh, Miami, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. So maybe Virginia Tech is that other team because yeah. they've, looked pretty, they've looked apart, you know, early on. But, I mean, between Virginia and UNC, I mean, I'm not really scared about Duke, Pittsburgh, or Georgia Tech. And, I mean, Miami, we kind of know where that's at at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think – um, you know, Virginia gets over this one with Florida State. They, they've 
let me see the schedule real quick. Um, I mean, Virginia's schedule should be pretty easy, I feel like. I mean, it's- Actually, here's an interesting one. I kind of forgot about this. So Georgia plays Notre Dame next week. That following week, Virginia goes to Notre Dame. So could be one of those things that if, you know, Notre Dame gets their ass handed to them in Athens, there might be a little bit of a letdown there. Yeah. If, if Notre Dame doesn't uh, play the run better than they did against Louisville, Georgia's – Jake Fromm's long enough to throw the ball 10 times. George is going to run the ball for 350 yards. And the game will, for for the non-interested uh, Georgia or Notre Dame fan, it's going to be boring because it's going to finish like 38 to 10. Yeah, so give me one second because when the early lines came out this year, I was just taking a look at it. And I didn't think that um, – that Notre Dame was going to look as – I mean, I don't want to say bad because they didn't look terrible against um, Louisville, but at the same time – Yeah, well, and, and also, like, Louisville was – It's. It, I guess it's not fair to compare Louisville this year to Louisville last year because of uh, – What's his Petrino? Yeah, Petrino. Because, like I said a couple weeks ago, like, Louisville was my easy money every single week. Somehow, Louisville found a way to be worse than whatever Vegas put the line at them every <laughs> – Every week, yeah. The the my second best like easy money uh, bet at least semi recently has been to switch sports for a second. Every time the Yankees and Red Sox played, I haven't even paid attention to what the overline is. I've just hit the over, and I'm uh, ten and two, just playing the over for Yankees Red Sox. And they score so many runs. Yeah. So, um, but no, what I was saying was that those early lines, I actually got Georgia at 10 and a half minus 10 and a half early on. And I, I mean, barring some catastrophic event that happens this weekend, I, I mean, I think Georgia probably opens up as at least a 13 and a half point favorite. Yeah. And the, you know? the only way I see Notre Dame keeping it close is if, I mean, at least at this point, as if they're able to like kind of go toe to toe with them as far as like scoring. And I don't know if they can because Georgia, like this is obviously getting a little bit ahead. Georgia, that offensive line, that whole game plan is just going to be stuff it down their throats because that's all you need to do. And that's obviously Georgia football, but you establish the run game, let from dish out whenever he needs to. But like you said earlier, Georgia's got five, of probably the best running backs, but what they definitely have is five of the best offensive linemen in the country. So, yes. I mean, they're going to open up holes. They're going to do what they need to do. So, uh, I mean, I think that line probably opens somewhere around 13 and a half, maybe a little yeah. bit higher, but. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to bet, bet that as well. So uh, I know, I know the one other game that you liked a lot was uh, the, what was it? 24 and a half uh, for Bama at South Carolina. Yeah, so that one and then the Oklahoma one, which I'll touch on in a second. But like we kind of said, I mean, Ryan Holinsky, obviously a really good story um, and obviously hoping for the best for him. But Alabama, they kind of did that thing last week with, I think it was New Mexico or whoever the hell they scheduled in week two. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was New Mexico. So I don't know if you saw Saban after the, the fact, but he wasn't exactly thrilled, which is, you know, typical Saban. You know, he's not thrilled. He's just going to coach him up. I was he's, gonna say, he's never happy about anything. Exactly. So, um, anyways, so they go to Columbia, right? They're in South Carolina. Yeah, it's in Columbia. Yeah, so 
I mean, listen, you're talking about a freshman quarterback, true freshman, in his first real environment of an SEC game. Yeah, it's at home, but 24 and a half, I mean, that Alabama team is really good. Yeah, they've lost a lot on defense, but I just don't think that South Carolina even has anywhere near the talent to keep it within within a 30-point game, honestly. Um, one thing I will also say that first half spread will probably be 12 and a half, 13. Um, I mean, I would honestly probably take that too. If you're going to tell me that Alabama's not going to be up on more than 12 against South Carolina on Saturday, I honestly, you can take all my money at that point. <laughs> take it all. So, um, yeah, so I really like it. I think Alabama rolls pretty, pretty handedly there. Um, yeah, I think 12 and a half is like, I think it was 14 and a half, like it was more than two touchdowns. I might be a tiny bit weary, only because um, coming from somebody who watched a lot of Will Muschamp football <laughs> with his time in Florida, he will uh, he will try to slow the game down a lot, especially like you said with a true freshman quarterback, um, and like limit the just amount of plays in general for the first half. But yeah, twelve and a half. That's like that's what. That's less, I mean, that's less than two touchdowns. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm trying to look it up on my book right now. I don't think it's up yet. Um, I mean, yeah, I can't get first halves yet. But I, normally the way to do it is whatever the spread is, you divide it by two. So yeah. I, I would say, you know, 12 and a half. I mean, it, hell, if it was 11 and a half, I mean, or 12, I mean, I, you know, I take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. So. Did you, but did you see who the, uh, who's going to be like doing like their pregame thing? Uh, for this game? No, I didn't. Who is it? It's going to be Steven Garcia, who is the last uh, South Carolina quarterback to beat Alabama. That's right, like five years ago. I'm pretty sure he shotgunned a Coors Light at like, or Bush Light, oh, probably yeah. at like half field before he went on. The- I like, I'm sure, and I'm sure he was like just sweating tequila during that game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely on that. Um, so, I know one that you hinted on was NC State and West Virginia. Well, West Virginia got the fucking doors beat off from last week against Missouri. And then week one, they beat James Madison 20 to 13, which is like, not, I mean, James Madison's not a terrible FCS team, but like. A pretty good FCS team, actually. Yeah, but that line is only, oh, God. It was seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, just seven. Um I mean, West Virginia's offense is bad. It's really, really bad. Now, now I, I do get a little bit weirded out at lines that aren't at least a half point because then I have to worry about pushing, which is always a pain in the ass. Well, I don't know if you've looked at it recently. I mean, at least when I'm looking at it, I've got it down to six and a half. Um, uh, the site that I use is always a little uh, like a half point different here and there. I was going to say, I mean, it, it obviously could fluctuate if somebody comes in and puts some big money on it, but. Uh, oh, shit. I'm, oh, fuck. I'm seeing it at, uh, oh, no, wait. I'm looking at North Carolina Wake Forest again. Oops. Uh, I have it at, I've seen it at six and a half now. So the line has moved a half point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at, you know, that's a touchdown. Um, I, I don't know enough about NC State this year. I haven't watched any of their games, but um, I, from what I do know about West Virginia, I, I know that that's just not a great offensive team. And if NC State can 
Yeah, NC State is – they beat East Carolina 34-6, and they beat West, Western Carolina 41 to nothing. So, I mean, I mean, they're not even giving up touchdowns, man. So, you might as well lay it at that point. Uh, and, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's another noon kick. So, I don't know. I, I mean, shit. Actually, looking at NC State's schedule, if they win that game, they they, prob- they play Ball State after that, and then Florida State after that. They could be five and zero going into Syracuse. Which, by the way, did is Maybe there? State is <laughs> the second best team. Oh man, you're not. Oh man, that schedule is very easy. Yeah, you are a kid. I had to not realize they could that be either. Either going into Clemson. And that game's at? At NC State. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. But, again, let's, uh, let's temper our expectations. <laughs> it would be in Eastern Carolina and Western Carolina. So, um, no, so, I, again, I don't know much about it. I'm probably laying off of it. I think if I had to play a side, I'm probably taking that six and a half just like you would. I, I just don't think West Virginia is the, – the Dana Holgerson West Virginia teams that were just hanging 50 spots on everybody, those are very far in the past. So, I'm right there with you. So. No. Yeah. Um, the only other game that I wanted to – I mean, the, the, only, the only other game I wanted to talk about besides, like, the SEC schedule in general. Hawaii is playing at Washington. Um, obviously, Was- Washington lost last week to Cal. I was going to say, some of you East Coasters might have been asleep, but for us on the mountain time zone, we, were, <laughs> <laughs> we might have been chasing some points there late at night, you know. So well, If uh, Hawaii wins this game, I mean, I don't even know what the line is right now, but if Hawaii wins this game, they're, they're 3-0. and all against Pac-12 teams. So they, they basically set themselves up to win the Pac-12. I mean, the Rainbow Warriors, you don't just go out to Hawaii and get Ws and come back to the mainland. So, no, I understand that that game is at Washington, though. But, yeah. I, I, 21 and a half point spread. I think I would take Hawaii. I think I would, too. Um, again, that's just – I. Listen, I was never really sold on Jacob Eason when he was at Georgia. Is he a good base or a good football player? Absolutely. The guy's got a howitzer attached to his arm, but he just wants to overpower people by throwing the football and just thinks he can get it into, you know, tight windows. And that is ultimately what kind of cost him in the Cal game last week. I mean, he didn't even throw a touchdown. He, he, I don't even know what his QBR was, but he went through for like 175 or something. It was not a very good game. Um, and everybody was singing his praises after he threw for four touchdowns and like 400 yards in that first game. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, Hawaii, I mean, they beat Oregon State, like you said, and they beat Arizona. Um, they're catching 21 and a half or 22 in some places. Yeah, man, I, I, I think that's a good – Good side. I probably wouldn't play it just because I, I, I know that um, what is it? Peterson, Chris Peterson, his team is yeah. you know usually re- rebound pretty well after a loss. So, um, but again, twenty two. I mean, that's a lot. Not not to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about like teams that are in that like wrong on their own. I mean, up until this year when Washington lost to Cal, I feel like you could put Washington in that same group with those teams because when they played your like Alabama and uh, who they play last year, Oklahoma, maybe no, 
no Auburn in the opening Auburn. game. Yeah, uh, they hung like they they're. I, I think they they could compete. Jake Bryan doesn't fumble that football against Auburn, and when they're going in, that's a completely different football game. Um, so it's not as if I, – I, I think – I mean, obviously it's kind of weird. I, I, college football nowadays is all about location, location, location uh, to me. Um, and it, it sounds boring to say, but I think until Saban and Dabo are no longer coaching, it's going to be Alabama and Clemson along with Kirby. It's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Georgia for a long time. Yeah, and I think if Lincoln Riley doesn't leave Oklahoma, you can – I mean, he's the highest name in, in coaching as well, too. Um, one thing I will say about uh, Washington, um, Chris Lake is their DB coach, I believe his name is. He is yeah. the best coach in college football that nobody's ever heard about. So, um, anyways, um, yeah, so I'm probably not playing that game. Um, no, I, I just think it's funny that, like, if if Hawaii wins, which I doubt they do, I mean Washington's different than Oregon State and Arizona, but Hawaii will be three and zero, and it's in the pack. They're three and zero in the Pac twelve. Yeah, I, I yeah. Um, it, and Hawaii might be the third best team in the Mountain West. The Mountain West is, I, I mean, I think Corso or somebody on Game Day said it last week, like the Mountain West starts thinking, like getting some respect. Like it's, it's a real deal that they've got running out there. Um, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but I mean, yeah, they've got some good teams and I, I would agree with you as well. Riley just got hosed at home. Man, you're uh, streaming. Uh, <laughs> streaming. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think the biggest difference with the really good – G5 conferences and like the lower tier power conferences is the the bottom half because I think like in the AAC UCF Houston uh, South Florida a couple of years ago not now um, Navy a couple of years ago uh, Cincinnati right now um, and then the Mount West Fresno Boise State um, like, I think those teams are good enough that you could, like, say they can compete with your, your power conference teams. But the, the difference between the top and the bottom of those conferences is vast. Like, yes. the, 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 the bottom half of those conferences are very bad. And I think that's, that's where the difference is. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself, so. Um, uh, the other one I wanted to touch on, actually was that Oklahoma game. Um, yeah, you catch- had, uh, the UCLA, right? Yeah, so I was taking Oklahoma, actually. They were 22-and-a-half-point uh, favorites. Listen, I was so big on UCLA last week. I thought that they were coming home. They, The whole Cincinnati game, uh, this DTR guy that everybody's all hyped up on at UCLA, he like, fumbled three times going in at Cincinnati. The game could have been wildly different. They come home. They lose to San Diego State, who beat Weber State six to nothing the week prior. So UCLA, their alumni group or their ticket ticket people or whatever, they're they're giving out tickets to just have people come to this game. Like I'm not sure there's even going to be 25 people in these stands. And you're going to tell me that Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley – are going to come in to West Hollywood, go up to Pasadena, to the Rose Bowl, where I think the last time that they were there, they played Georgia and lost in the Rose Bowl. But 22-and-a-half-point yeah. favorites, like, give me that 
all day. Like, I don't think there's any chance, A, that Oklahoma uh, is even going to give up points. But, they're, I mean, they're going to hang like a 40 spot on them. And not to mention, UCLA loses this game. They're staring down the barrel of a 2-10 and 10 season after a 3-9 and nine season last year. So just absolutely brutal times in Pasadena right now. I yeah, well, while you were saying that, I looked up their schedule, and I see – I see one guaranteed win on their schedule. And I said if they lose this UCLA game, UCLA game I should take that back. When they lose this UCLA game, yeah. they are staring down the barrel of a 2 and I see Oregon State is probably the, one, the only one that they'll be favored in the rest of the way. It's and the I mean, it's honestly, home. what do you think that line would even be? Two, two and a half, three? Like, I, I can't imagine it's going to be anything ginormous. Like, it, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, don't know. Yeah, it's – and like you said, there's not going to be anybody there. But I always, like, when USC is good, like, it, it sort of makes sense because you have the kids that actually go to school there and USC has a little bit more tradition. I don't know that if I lived in Los Angeles, I would be spending – I mean, as much as I love college football, I'd be spending my time at a UCLA football game. I mean, there's so much more to do in Los Angeles than going to Chip Kelly's – sorry ass football team trying to score on Oklahoma. Like I just yeah, I, I think Oklahoma in the twenty two and in the hook there is is a really good play. Um and again that I mean if it's twenty two and a half going into Saturday, that first half line's probably looking to be eleven and a half, twelve. It might be something yeah. Oh um, yeah, that's that's easy money. Yeah. But whatever the first half line is. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something you might want to take a look at as well. So um yeah, it's two other ones that I kind of wanted to hit on just real quick. Um, I don't know how Arkansas is catching nine and a half against Colorado State. I don't think Arkansas is beating anybody by 10 points this entire year. Um, not to say Colorado State's a good football team, but Mike Bobo is a pretty good offensive-minded coach. Um, I, I just don't know how they're catching nine and a half. Um, and then the other one, I know we talked about Colorado a little bit earlier. Um, the Air Force money line. Um, Colorado is only a four-point favorite, and that's in a, uh, I believe, a 12 o'clock local, so 2 o'clock Eastern kick. Um, obviously, a super emotional win last week against the Nebraska team, and then you got the boys from Colorado Springs coming up the street, and, I mean, they're going to be running that triple option, I think. I, I don't watch enough Air Force games. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Air Force still runs some kind of version of the triple. Yeah, so, I mean, again, I, I just – that line is super interesting to me. When you're putting Colorado at minus four against the Air Force, I, that just is a very telling time, telling sign to me. Um, I think there's only two ways to play it. Either you're taking Air Force, the money line, or you're taking Colorado in the points. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, the, the other line that I thought was interesting – was the Stanford uh, Central Florida line? Oh um, yeah, it's seven and a half for Central Florida, and it's at Central Florida. Now Stanford's going to get KJ Costello back, but they just lost their best lineman. I'm not sure if you saw. Yeah, that, yeah, they lost. They lost that tackle they had, and you know you're going to Central Florida, and I know we joked about you know hydrating yourself properly, but Orlando in September versus Palo Alto is a lot different <laughs> and not to mention isn't that a 12 o'clock local kick yeah 330 so i mean i mean not not much difference 
but still, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Stanford team that's got to go across the country. And then that, yeah. I mean, that would be a 1230 kick for them. And how many, you know, 1230 kicks does Stanford actually have yeah. on their own schedule? So, no, I, I really like that game as well. I would play UCF minus the seven and a half. One thing I'm really interested to kind of see is how good is Brandon Winbush actually? Um, because I was in the stands when they were playing Georgia. Um, he was not good then. Obviously, he got benched for Ian Book last year. They transferred to UCF. Obviously, looked great in his first game. But I think you kind of said they are playing Florida A&M or Florida? Florida A&M, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think anybody's going to look really good against those teams. So, um, so I, if, if Brandon Wimbush can look as good as he did in that game, then, yeah, I think UCF kind of runs away with this thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think UCF minus seven and a half there is the play. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just switched over to uh, the NFL lines. I, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, the, the NFL is a little bit harder to bet just because the, the difference between a lot of the teams is minimal. The only one that I'm really even going to touch is the Pats uh, in Miami. The, the line that I have is plus 19. I'm taking it with you all day until Miami shows me that they can do anything competent on a football field. Yes, I'm right there with you. The, the only th- – the one thing I, I – I, because I did so bad last weekend, uh, I ended up betting uh, a little bit on the Pats-Steelers game. And I put uh, – I just bet the over. So I was like, this is this is easy money. I think when I bet it, it was like 49 and a half. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if the Steelers just score more than a field goal, I would have been <laughs> But they couldn't even they couldn't even put a touchdown in the end zone. But I, you know, I was talking to one of my friends, I was like, you know, this, I mean, with, with all the Antonio Brown shit aside, like the off the field stuff, this is what happens when uh, within the span of three years, you get rid of a top five running back and a top three wide receiver off your offense. Yeah, I agree. Um, although I do think James Conner last year did a really good job filling in for Le'Veon there. Um, I think it kind of just at least shows in the NFL game it's way different than the college game because you can almost just plug anybody in at a running back position. I think, yeah. I think the running back position, there's unless it's at least right now currently, if you're not Zeke, Todd Gurley, or Saquon Barkley, you're pretty much replaceable. Yeah, like the, there's a huge gap between the top three running backs and then everybody else. Absolutely. I mean, hell, the Eagles just signed a 45-year-old Darren Sproles to come in and run footballs for him. Frank, like, Frank Gore still has a career. Like yeah. Frank Gore has made a career. He's like a he's one of the bet, like the leading rushers of all time. He's made a career of just not getting hurt. As a running back. Can we just put him and Chase Daniel as two of the best, like, backups that just, like – yeah, Frank Gore had a way different career. Sure, I'll give that to you. But Chase Daniels has just been sitting on sidelines collecting million-dollar paychecks for the better part of, I don't know, like, the last decade. It, it's banana land to me. But yeah. um, I yeah. will say – Go ahead. I was on uh, the Ravens pretty big last weekend. Um, so that was – that was the easiest money I think I've made in my adult lifehood. Lifehood. Yeah, know. and their their line this week is minus thirteen uh, for uh, with the Cardinals at home. Um, the The only reason that line would make me nervous is because I don't know. I mean, Kyler looked a lot better in the second half in the Cardinals game last week, 
But, like, I don't know how good the Ravens looking on offense was because of how bad the Dolphins are and how or how good the Ravens are. Yeah. And I'm kind of there with you on that one. It, again, what I'm if I'm taking anything, it's the pass this week. Um, but in that particular game between the Ravens and the Cardinals, if I was going to take anything, I'm probably taking Cardinals plus 13 there because, like you said, I mean – Listen, Lamar Jackson, for whatever you want to think about him as an actual quarterback in the NFL, the guy has done pretty well. But what he was doing last Sunday was – that's just – you that's Madden stuff. The guy was just dropping 90-yard bombs into D.D. Westbrook, and he was just – or Hollywood Brown. Hollywood and he was Brown. just – yeah, which is one of the best names ever for a yeah. football player. But he was just dropping dimes into these guys, and, like, there was nobody around him. And, yeah, so there's a lot to be seen there. I mean, so – yeah, the the only other two things that I wanted to talk about as far as the NFL goes is, look, I love Odell Beckham Jr. I think we should have more Odell Beckham Juniors in in football. He's he's entertaining. He's fun. He's great. But he he said something like the only reason the NFL is finding me for wearing this watch is because of who I am and blah blah blah. First off, if you look at like a close up of the watch, it's it's a fucking ugly watch. Yep, I agree. <laughs> Do you know that's a plastic watch? Apparently, for th- what three hundred fifty thousand dollars? I don't know. I've seen like as low as one hundred fifty thousand to as high as three hundred fifty thousand. But the and, and like, I don't. I, you know, if, if you have the money, fucking spend it however you want. That that's not, that's not for me to like judge you about. Like I, I don't. I literally don't give a shit. But to be like, oh, the only reason they're doing it to, is because I'm the one doing it. I'm like, no, like, just why are you wearing a watch while you're playing football? Yeah, I I agree with that. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, why that? Like, I just don't get it. I especially, I especially after like he's like doubling down on it right now when the Browns got their shit rocked in week one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That should be the answer to your question. It's just like, oh, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah about the watch. I'm just focusing on being better in week two. That's all you need to say. And then, like, why do you need a watch, man? Like, does that not restrict your wrist as you're catching footballs? Like, just it's... I feel like it's got to a little bit, right? I mean, unless you get used to it, because as a professional, like, if, you, if you're a professional athlete, I feel a lot of it is just, like, your like comfortability factor. Yeah. This is this is what I wear when I play. This is what I do when I play. But um, you seem like a comfortability thing. Like, it, if he didn't wear it last year, is he was he wearing it all throughout practice? Like, did the coach not say something to him? I feel like I feel like we would have heard about it. I mean, preseason. I mean that that time of like the sports calendar is so fucking boring. It's just <laughs> so like if he was wearing a six figure watch during training camp, we would have heard about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so I think the last point, I think I know what you want to hit on here. Yeah. There's like everything with Antonio Brown. It's just fucking wild. I, I just don't know outside of Aaron Hernandez that we have had something this just, uh, headline driven in the NFL on a consistent basis for like almost a week. That video that he posted, um, was like Nike level production and he did it like in 11 hours. Yeah, and, and and like I was, I was, I was with him. Like I was like I wouldn't want to play in Oakland anyway. And I, for kind of the same thing I feel about college players. I feel like NFL players should have more of a say 
about where they actually want to play or if they don't want to play somewhere that they get treated to, they should, because I mean, it's not like, like, I feel like it should be similar to like you and I, like if, if we go to a company that we don't like, we can just start looking for new jobs. Sure. We can just like, we shouldn't be locked into something. I mean, obviously, you know, different, different job or other jobs are different, but like, now we have this thing like he's playing this all along and like maybe the player the players association should jump in and now we have this whole rape allegation thing or sexual assault i guess um it's like so much shit going on right now with him yeah it's pretty bizarre and i i was kind of making the joke that he was um illegally recording john gruden um someone came out and said that i guess technically he got it legally but there was just so much going on like in that particular like set of just days that you were just like, is this guy actually okay? Like, because there's just things that he's like doing and saying in, it is absolutely bizarre. And what's even crazier is the fact that, listen, AB's not innocent in any of this. Gruden's not innocent in any of it. And neither is Mike Mayock. But what I all like, what nobody really said until obviously it broke, I think on Saturday, um, was the fact that when Mayock fined him that amount of money, um, it negated all of his guaranteed money. And yeah. it took like almost, I want to say a day or two for Antonio Brown to get that information and release that information and kind of say, hey, this is actually why I'm you know, wanting that you know, release from the Raiders. So I don't know. It, it definitely wasn't Antonio. I don't know who came wow. to him and said, hey, by the way, I'm not sure if you actually knew this, but all that guaranteed money, that's no longer a thing anymore. And also, so, like, and it's, a, I hate, I hate to, like, sound like this and just be like, you know, it's different if you're a star player, but you know what? It should be different if you're a star player. Like, Mayock and Gruden should have called them into their office and be like, look, man, we just need you to, like, chill out a little bit, at least until the season starts, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there we don't want to have to like do anything silly and like fine you or do whatever. But like they, they find him, they did whatever. And when I heard about like, he called him a cracker and then there was like the whole equivocation on like Twitter and like all these bullshit websites where it was like, you know, if, if a white guy said, said the N word, it was like, do you guys not know that Riley Cooper is still on an NFL roster right now? I didn't know that. Is he really? Or, or, or he was, excuse me. Like he, he didn't get fucking kicked out of the league just because that video of him uh, came out because, sure. or, or it's like that old, that old John Mulaney bit where he's just like, yeah, there's one, one of these words is worse than the other. And you know why? Because you're saying one of the words and for the other one, you're saying the letter it starts with. Right. And, like, yeah, it was probably silly. And, like you said, Antonio Brown might have, like, it, it, might, it might be a little bit different than just having, like, uh, an extravagant personality, so to speak. I think, I, I think OBJ has an extravagant personality. Yes, absolutely. I think Antonio Brown might have – there might be something else going on up there. Sure. Um, but, I mean, I mean that, I'm, not, I'm not here to, like – play armchair psychiatrist because i don't know i don't know shit right and i, w- I want to ask you this before like we end this is have you like the whole conspiracy that he 
orchestrated this entire thing behind the scenes because the Steelers didn't want to trade him to the Patriots. Do you buy into that at all? I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I, I, I don't think it's that far-fetched, man. Yeah, I, I really don't either. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that's obviously what happened, but, I mean, he was hiring a social media team to figure out how to get his release done faster. From right. And it goes, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it's like, if we look at the NFL as a company that's hiring, like, tech support people, and you don't want to go to the shitty tech support company. You want to go to the better tech support company. You're going to do everything that you can to put yourself in this good tech support company. Absolutely. And like, obviously the Patriots are better than the Raiders. As far as just like, regardless of whether the Patriots win the Super Bowl this year or whoever wins the Super Bowl, they're just like overall a better company to work for. Absolutely. So I think, I, I think that's kind of like where I land on that. Like, based on like how the uh, the collective bargaining agreement goes, he probably broke some some rules, but I don't know. I, I, you're gonna I'm gonna be hard pressed to be upset about it. Yeah, I'm not either. And I mean, the, probably the most awkward person at this point is Tom Brady allowing him to stay in his compound after everything that came out last night. So also. Uh, even if it never comes out and there's never any kind of proof for it, there's no way Tom Brady is not taking any performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> dude, he just, he takes really good protein shakes, dude. And he doesn't eat bananas and berries and things. 42 years old, you're still the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in football. Get out of here. Most, most teams can't find any quarterback. <laughs> dude, I, I mean, I might have to buy his book and figure it out, man. I mean, <laughs> That's what I think. Ah! Dude, I hate that you're that I'm streaming this thing. Did we just lose? <laughs> no, we just won. Donaldson just made a sick catch to win it. Thank God. Magic number is eight now. Uh, yeah, the national. Oh, dude. I dude. think the nationals. The nationals ended up winning. Pay Josh Donaldson all the money. That guy oh, has been an absolute steal. I mean, if he wants three years and 70, I could probably justify it. Um, I wish he would take a hometown discount and go three or 45 because he has made such a big difference for this team. And it, it shows, I mean, they might win a hundred games. He, he's going to, he's going to be the first player for the Braves to have 40 home runs in how long? He's, gonna I, get 40. he's already at 38 right now. Well, what's even crazier is the fact that this might be the, I think it's the fourth time ever that um, a major league team might have three guys who have hit 40 home runs because you would have Acuna, Freeman, and Donaldson. Yeah. Which is just, I mean, my goodness, man. Hell of a season. Uh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm still, at being a Braves baseball fan, I'm still very cautiously optimistic. I'm still expecting to lose to the Dodgers at some point, but this is a fun team to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, listen, you're talking to obviously a lifelong Atlanta fan and Georgia fan and, you know, cautiously optimistic would be like the highest I ever get. It's normally pessimism. Um, but this team is really good. And the thing is, is like this team isn't going anywhere. So if they end up losing to the Dodgers, like let's say in the NLCS, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be okay with it because I think this team is talented enough to do it. But I also would get it because the Dodgers are very good, but yeah. this team isn't going anywhere anytime soon and they're only going to get better. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. So, all right, man. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate it. This is a very good time, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know what you, uh, what you got going on out there. But do you, is there anything you, you need, to, you want to plug? Do you, do you got anything uh, you want friends of yours to go to out there in Denver? What, what's going on? Yeah, listen, CBD oils, really big stuff. No, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nothing to plug, man. Listen. Uh, just living in the mile high, man. If you ever make your way out here, more than welcome to come chill. So um, hopefully we can make this a regular occurrence. We'd love to come on and talk college football, For sure. baseball, whatever else. So, um, and, you know, maybe next time I'll come on and actually plug something. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I, like, I, I'm just trying to pretend like I'm on a real podcast and tell people to plug shit. I'm just talking to my friends. So, whatever. Well, I mean, I, I could talk like, you know, match.com. Hey, if you know, if you're looking for somebody, we've got you, you know, something along those lines. But, you know, all good, man. So again, really appreciate it, man. Uh, really happy you started doing this. That's awesome. So yeah, well, this is, uh, I guess this has been the third episode of put Jordan on me. Uh, thanks to Ryan. Uh, and uh, thanks to everybody that's listening. And I was looking at our, our kind of statistics for the listeners and shout out to our one listener in Canada. Uh, we, <laughs> I don't, I don't know who it is, how somebody in Canada found us, but somebody in Canada listened to the podcast last week. So shout out to whoever you are and hope you're still listening. Hey, get you a puppers up there. All right. Hell yeah. All right. Later, man. See you.